You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. Welcome to church today here at Harvest Bible Chapel, soon to be actually this weekend turning into Hope Bible Church. And we're excited about that. You'll hear more about that in a couple of minutes. But we're thrilled that you are with us. And our whole purpose of today, we are speaking on the theme, of course, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which leads to this living hope. Living hope, living hope. I believe without exaggeration, without exaggeration, I do not hesitate to say so, living hope, living hope. Listen carefully. It is the most powerful thought, emotion, and reality a human being can have. Living hope. Living hope. The first Easter morning, the first Easter morning, the women go to the tomb. An angel appears to them. The angel says, he is not here. He has risen. The women are confronted with this astounding news. They experience emotions of fear and astonishment. They run, as they are told, to quickly tell the disciples. They run to tell the disciples. Specifically, the Gospels tell us they run and tell Peter and John, two of Jesus' closest disciples. Peter and John then run to the tomb to see for themselves. John beats Peter to the tomb because John was in better shape. I'm not sure, but he just beat him anyways. Maybe he's faster. He's faster. John stoops in to look at the tomb. Peter then arrives a few moments later. Peter actually goes into the tomb. He sees the clothes that were on Jesus lying on the ground. He then sees the faith cloths, the face cloths that were surrounding Jesus' face folded neatly again uh, within the tomb. John then goes in and the Bible says, listen, the Bible says he saw and he believed. He saw and and he believed. Now, let's take a Bible time out for a second. As we always say around here, let's try to live in the text. Imagine you're one of the disciples. Put yourself in the shoes of the sandals of the disciples, okay? Friday was awful. Friday was horrific. Your Savior, the one that you look to for the salvation of God's people, Israel, and maybe even beyond that, This Savior had died, not just any death, a horrific death on the Roman cross of crucifixion. The worst possible way to die again in that time, if not ever. Friday was awful. The grief that was just starting to set in. Then if you were able to sleep like a minute on Friday night, think of the loneliness and despair of Saturday. Again, again, the, the stages of initial grief, of shock, of bewilderment, of what has just taken place. Then you have Friday, Saturday leading to this moment on Sunday morning at the tomb because all hope was seemingly lost for the disciples. But then Mary shows up and she cries out the news. We saw an angel. He says, he's not here. He has risen. And as a disciple, your brain registers what you heard, but your first notion is certainly unbelief. There's no way. Too good to be true. Come on. We believe that that's an idol's tale. The Bible says that they reacted in that way. But then suddenly, suddenly you might recall the prophecies that Jesus said over and over again. And suddenly the synapses of your brain connect. And adrenaline is released into your bloodstream and your heart begins to physically pound through your chest. A rush of adrenaline indeed. Energy surges through your body and all your senses are suddenly completely and totally firing. 
You rise, check that, you run. As you run, the anticipation, the shock of what you've heard, the potential and the exhilaration that you're feeling, you get to the tomb. Indeed, the tomb is empty. You look, you stop. Listen, you believe in that moment. And the greatest level of seemingly indescribable hope begins to flow through your entire soul. As one of the disciples in this moment, you've never previously known a depth and power of hope like this ever in your life until right now, that first Easter morning. And I said, in this instant, you begin to contemplate and begin to comprehend A hope, listen, for the first time ever, a hope that is eternal. A hope that is indestructible. A hope incorruptible. A hope unconquerable. A hope unchangeable. A hope imperishable. A hope that in the past has been so distant from you. It's been a hope maybe for others. It's been a hope you've only watched in movies. It's been a hope you've only heard about in stories. It's been a hope that others have testified but not you. But for the first time ever, this hope is slowly or maybe surely and instantly actually becoming your very own hope. This living hope is found only in Jesus Christ. And that is the precise hope, listen, we unpack and deploy today by God's Spirit in this place. Now, I'm going to love you right now, and let me say, didn't, don't, don't say I didn't warn you, okay? Because right now, God by His Spirit is deploying hope across this space, in this building, for all who are listening, live stream, whatever it is, okay? The Lord is deploying hope. A hope of unfathomable, again, riches and blessing and joy. This is the hope we speak of, and we're going to unpack that today in the book of 1 Peter in your Bibles. If you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, near the end of the New Testament, goes Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, obviously before 2 Peter. These verses will also be on the screen for you, if that is easier for you today. But I encourage you to open up a copy of God's Word. We believe this book was written by God himself. When God writes a book, we should read it, and we should preach it. And that's what we're going to do right now. 1 Peter chapter 1, just a few verses going to change your life, we pray today. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this. Peter says, blessed be the God and Father, so blessed, honor, praise to. Peter's fired up, man. His faculties are operating in praise and worship and excitement. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why, why, hear why. According to his great mercy... According to his great mercy, he, God, has caused us to be born again to a, here we go, living hope. Living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why? To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Where? Kept in heaven for you, who by God's power, listen to this, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Living hope is our theme of this text. Living hope is the hub of our text. Living hope is the greatest game changer ever. But we ask, why? Why is that so? 
Why is living hope the greatest game changer ever? That's what we answer this Easter, and we're going to find out a few things about living hope right now. The first one is this, living hope. Number one, you got to hear this. you got to hear this. Living hope is God-given, God-granted, and God-generated. I want to say that again because I want you to hear it. I want you to understand how important this theology is. Living hope is God-given. Only God can grant and generate this hope within our lives. See, where do you get that from? Verse 3. Look at verse 3. According to his great mercy, I got no points on my own, man. All my points are in in God's word every time. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. So notice, God is the source of hope. God is the giver of all true hope. Now notice this, notice carefully, not just any hope, a living hope. What a phrase that is. A hope that it is alive. A hope that is life itself. It's so beautiful. So the world defines hope as kind of, look here, look here. Hope is, um, I cross your fingers. Oh, I hope it works out. Oh, I hope the Leafs win the Stanley Cup. Like that kind of hope. You know what I mean? And so it's not a certain hope, but the hope that the Bible speaks of is a hope that's a guarantee. <laughs> it's a certain hope. A sure hope. Again, verse 3. He has caused us to be born again. So, God is the first cause. God is the first cause of creation. God is the first cause of salvation. The phrase born again gets a lot of traction even in our day today. It's amazing to me. The phrase born again can be used in a derogatory term. It's often used and misunderstood and misapplied. Let's make sure we understand what God says and what God means when he says born again. It's a beautiful term. Born again, according to the Bible, really what it means is new spiritual birth. Look at it this way. Everyone in this room right now has been born once physically. You came from your mother's womb. You were born into this world. You have physical flesh, brain, heart, lungs. You are living right now. You have been born once physically. Every person ever lived, every human being, born physically once But if you want to gain access into heaven, this is what is so paramount. Jesus explains to us, you must be born again spiritually. Because every one of us has a soul. But our soul must be born again, must be made alive by the Spirit of God. Just in case you want to see more than 1 Peter, Jesus says in John chapter 3, he's talking to a man named Nicodemus. He says this, listen, listen. He says, no one will enter the kingdom of God, heaven. No one will enter God's kingdom, one of his children, unless they are born again. Jesus says, you must be born again. He doubles down on that a few verses later. He says, in fact, you cannot see God's kingdom. You will walk through this world and all you'll see is the temporal stuff around us. You'll live for the money, live for the sports, live for your job, live for your paycheck, live for the car, whatever it is. You won't see God's kingdom because you can only see God's kingdom if you are born again. You must be born again spiritually, which God alone can cause us to do. So what we're also learning here then, to call, a person is a born again Christian. To say that person, as opposed to differentiating a born again Christian from another Christian, a born again Christian is redundant. That's a redundant phrase. There's no such thing as a non-born again Christian. So here what what the Bible's teaching us right now. There's only one kind of true Christian. 
The one kind of true Christian is he or she which has been born again by God. Because God alone causes us to be born again to a living hope. But amazingly, happened to me this week in conversations. And people still call themselves Christians as opposed to some other religion. And yet right here in verse 3, again... The only true people that actually know Christ are those who have been born again. So many people attend church over many weeks and many months and sometimes decades. But Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, many will approach him at the end. He will look at them. He'll say, get away from me. I never knew you. Because you have not been born again. You have not placed your faith for the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. You had a religion. You had no relationship. That's massively important right here. God has caused us to be born again to a, notice, to a living hope. This is where it gets really, really exciting and beautiful. Let's unpack living hope. Notice it's not a lively hope or an exciting hope or a fired up hope. As much as those things can go with it, but living hope is the foundation. Why, why, why? Because our hope is living, listen, because it's not in a principle, rather our hope is in a person. And this person is Jesus Christ and he's alive. Therefore, if our hope is placed in Jesus Christ who's alive, then our hope is also alive. Therefore, we have a living, a living hope. So you see this hope that Peter's speaking of here in 1 Peter chapter 1? It's a hope of life. It's a hope of immortality. It's a hope that has its roots in the empty grave, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why for the truly saved Christian, living hope becomes an expectancy. It, it, it guides your life. It fuels your motivation. It grips your soul. It's a hope that's alive within you every day you live. It's the certainty of your future. It's the guarantee. Listen, listen, it's the guarantee that the best is truly yet to come. And for all those who are saved in Jesus Christ, man, that is our reality. Now, Warren Wiersbe has this very powerful quote, and I want us to kind of sit on this and try to digest it for a bit, because I think it's quite profound. You know, these quotes you've got to read a couple of times, really, to kind of really take it in. He says this. Just in the context of living hope today. Unsaved people have a present that is controlled by their past. Now think about that. I think that's so true. So for, for, for people without living hope in Jesus Christ, your identity and worth and value is based on who you've been in the past. Your current situation, your joy or lack thereof or happiness or up and down is all based on what has happened previously. But put living hope into the equation now. Wiersbe says this, but for Christians, born again Christians, they have a present that is controlled by their future. See, my worth, my identity, my value, my purpose is actually in Christ. Therefore, it's everything that I have been given in Christ, which is to come and the life to come, which all my promises, my inheritance, my adoption as a child of God, all that Jesus has done, it's his worth, his identity, his value, which now becomes mine, his future. My future is now impacting my present. That's the power of hope. But so different again than, oh, I hope it works out. This is the biblical living hope, which is only found in Jesus Christ, rooted in the good news of the gospel. Let's take, for example, this past week, Tiger Woods. 
Tiger Woods wins his 15th major. I mean, that's, 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 that's amazing. Good for you. I, that, that, that's so good. I think it's his fifth green jacket, maybe sixth, whatever it was. Okay, he gets that. But think about this. Everything about Tiger Woods' identity in the present is predicated upon what he's accomplished in the past. Without his past, he has no purpose. He has no meaning. You, 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 we all watched him go up and down during the success and failures of his life. And without his past, there really is no purpose in his present. But you could be the biggest loser according to the world in the history of, of the world. And if you are found in Jesus Christ, man, then you have infinite worth and hope in Jesus Christ because of everything he has done and nothing you have done. The power of saying, I've never won a green jacket. I've never won a tournament. I can't even play golf. You know, I'm no good at anything. But if Jesus Christ is my Savior, I have infinite treasure in him. And I will be found as pure and spotless because he has made me so. And you can, you can kill me. You can hurt me. You can do whatever you want. It will never tarnish my hope found in the living hope that is alive because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. That's the power of the news that we hear today in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to clap for that. We're going to clap for that. Amen. I want you to see, you. some of you are like, man, well, man, if you knew my life, if you knew my life, man, I, I don't have access to this whole, man, the sin that I, I can't believe I'm here right now, man, man, I'm at people looking at me, going to judge me, whatever, okay, I want you to look at verse three, I want you to see it says, according to his great mercy. How great is God's mercy? Much greater than your sin, I'll tell you that much, man. It is overwhelmingly, you think of mercy, think of it, uh, you're, at, you're at the ocean and the waves keep coming in and you're standing there and you're getting pummeled by the wave and you try to stand up but the, but the current and the waves are so strong, it just knocks you over again. That's the wave of God's mercy, it just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming and you try to fight against it, you try to ignore it, you can't man and in the end, the wave after wave, infinite mercy comes over you when you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? There's no love at Easter like the love of Jesus Christ. I saw this this week, and I had to put this up for all you to see. Nobody loves me like Jesus. No bunny, right? I love that so much, man. No bunny can love like Jesus. You get a couple of chocolates, good for you. Good. How about eternal life? How about the mercy of God? How about the grace of God, which is inexhaustible in every measure? Let me see a bunny do that. Okay, Jesus Christ the Lord is the one who produces the hope of the world and the greatest love and compassion we could ever, ever imagine offered to you today through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Living hope, it's God-given. Secondly, living hope, it's resurrection certified. This is where we get our hope from. We know what has been accomplished. Look at verse three. Verse three, again, my only message is found in God's word. Was born again to a living hope, watch this, through the resurrection of the dead. Now, what do we learn here? Church, we learn this. Loved ones, visitors, friends, family, again, people are here. We learn this, ready? If you want living hope, there is no other way to access living hope other than the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. All roads of living hope, there are no exceptions to this. If you want true hope that is alive, that is indestructible in its joy and purpose, the only road that goes through, again, that leads to this hope is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, some of you still haven't understood this, and you're like, why would you say that? Because it says it in the Bible right there, verse 3. 
A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, This is why the resurrection in the Christian faith is the most important event in the history of the world and utterly paramount. If Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, we have no faith, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. Let's remind ourselves of what the resurrection guarantees. The resurrection guarantees that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for our sins. When he's raised from the dead, God has accepted that payment in full. It guarantees that Jesus was victorious over death. It guarantees that sin, Satan, and death have been forever defeated. It guarantees the believer's forgiveness and innocence before God is judged. It guarantees we will reign with the Lord in heaven. It guarantees that one day soon we will receive a resurrected body. Yes, please. Yes, please. A body without sin or pain or weakness, without pride. Oh, yes, please. No wonder then, Paul says at the end of one of the greatest chapters on the resurrection in the Bible, you want some further reading, 1 Corinthians 15, he says this. He says, hey, death, where's your victory? Hey, death, where's your sting? You know what Paul's saying? He's mocking death. He's like, hey, my Savior, he, he kicked your butt, death. He stood over you, and he triumphed in glory. Hey, death, what do you got in me now? Hey, death, you're not so tough, are you? Hey, death, hey, death, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Kill me? Because when I die, I actually start to live in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the power of living for Christ. How many of you right now fear death as your number one fear? You don't have to. I'm telling you, you don't have to. There's a beautiful, morbid, beautiful part of me that just looks at death and says, can't wait. Can't wait. This world, this world. Like, you know, I love my family. <laughs> love my kids. I'm happy. Love, love this, you know. At the same time, it's like, man, it won't be disappointing. Jesus will not be disappointing to see him face to face. Man, what a day that's going to be. That's, that's called hope. That's alive. The hope that's alive. In Sri Lanka yesterday, this morning, bombings in Christian churches seeking to kill hundreds of those devoted to Christ. You kill them, they are now with Christ. And their hope really begins, even though they died. That's, that's the power of living with such hope. And listen, that's why the empty tomb is everything. That's why the empty tomb is the greatest symbol of the Christian church in terms of hope, in terms of hope. Because our living hope has been resurrection certified. So I mentioned here that you've walked in today to Harvest Bible Chapel. When you leave today, you are leaving Hope Bible Church. We are transitioning this weekend from one church name to another. So Hope Bible Church, we're planning and thinking about this and praying about this for days and weeks, whatever. And think the, 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 the single greatest symbol of hope, biblical hope, again, is the empty tomb. So the big unveiling, revealing today, we want to show you again the empty tomb being our logo for this new church, Hope Bible Church. And we want to show you kind of in graphic right now kind of what this looks like. So let's put that on the screen. Let's play that. I want you to see us and be encouraged. Here it comes. Ready? Empty tomb. Bam, there we go, new logo, and wa-boom, whole Bible church. Yes, there it is, love it, woo, there you go. In fact, I like that so much, we got to play that one more time, don't we? There we go, let's, let's, let's do it again, play it again, play it again, love this, oh yeah, look at that. Here's the hope, there's the hope, the light of Christ shining through, doom, take that death, there we go, and bam, whole Bible church, love it so much, so, so. So thankful for Harvest. That is done. This is a new season now of hope. I'm so excited to see that because hope is the greatest need of our world today. 
So many people have no hope. So many people are desperate for hope. We have that in Jesus Christ, which we give today. Think of the power of hope in everyday life. Here's the power of living hope flushed out within our lives right here. Living hope, when we, when we have the living hope we're learning about today, that gives you a security the world can only dream of. Think of the rampant insecurity across our world. Not sure what's going to happen, not sure where they're going, not really sure again, <coughs> living for self. Think of the stability you have. Jesus Christ is the rock. You build your house upon the rock, Matthew 7, as opposed to shaking, sinking sand. But the world, there's this, there's this uncertainty. I think I know, but deep down, there's so many questions that human beings have because they can't know without truly knowing in Christ. Living hope brings clarity and joy and purpose. You see why you live. You know why you're here. You know whom you serve and love. But without hope, there's confusion. And these things are growing right now in our nation. These things are growing as much as ever. The levels of despair and depression and mental health crisis and opioid uh, problems and addictions and crisis and, and, and suicidal, how many of our youth are starting to uh, take their own lives? I read this this week and just suicide, but I heard suicide by definition is the death of hope. It's when you just, you just, hope has died. There's, there's no, and you know what, some, some of, there are some in this room right now, and you are suicidal, and you've been having serious thoughts and temptations toward this, and by the grace and sovereignty of God in his love, he has brought you to this place today, or watching on live stream right now, and he is, the God of the universe is directly speaking to you one-on-one -on -one right now. And he's saying, do you not understand how loved you are and how much purpose you can have in my son, Jesus Christ, if you will turn from the world and your sin and believe in Jesus Christ, that he was raised from the dead to defeat death, you can come in here with suicidal thoughts and leave with the greatest hope you've ever known in your life, which will carry you on for all of eternity, by the grace and the gift and the mercy and the love of God upon you. Could it be that you are here right now for that purpose, predestined and appointed by God upon your life? And even as I say this right now, you know that's you. That's what God does. You saw all these baptisms up there on the screen so powerfully articulated and testified to. He takes lives that are broken and he mends them. He takes people that know they need him and he heals them and loves them and saves them and restores them. Amazing. The answer for us, but I'm telling you, the answer is right here in verse 3. It's right here in verse 3. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But living hope just keeps getting better and better. Living hope is God-given. Living hope is resurrection certified. And thirdly, this, living hope, inheritance is included. The deal gets sweetened, man. Inheritance is part of the package. First Peter chapter 1, verse 4, take a look. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. you got to see the very first word in verse 4. The very first word in verse 4, a tiny word with massive implications. It's the word to, okay? So what happens here? God causes us, watch this, God causes us to be born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now what? The result of to, towards, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and un. 
fading. Let's break down for a second our inheritance found in Christ. I mean, talk about hope, okay? So an inheritance, which is imperishable, number one. Imperishable means it will never corrode, crack, or decay. Man, the human body decays, doesn't it? Man, mine sure is. The human body decays, but listen, the resurrected body will never grow old, never be weakened, and never perish. I mean, just think of the creaking joints in the room right now. Think of the back pain. Think of the people who have a hard time getting up in the morning just because, and in all seriousness, think of the cancer represented in the room right now. But to have an inheritance in Jesus Christ means you will receive an inheritance which cannot die ever, which is imperishable, will never grow weak, never be subject to any form of sin or death or anything of that kind. And this inheritance also, it says, is undefiled, meaning it will remain in perfect condition always. Contrast that with the world we live in, which is polluted by sin, seen in proof with things like weeds and earthquakes and war and hatred and death. But the inheritance that awaits the believer of hope in Jesus Christ is perfection, no pain, no suffering, no sorrow, no death ever. My wife's grandfather passed away on Good Friday, 94 years old, a war veteran, good man, a legacy of children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren following the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless his heart as he began to honestly physically decay in his remaining weeks and months and getting to the end. His body just didn't even look like him at all, hollowing out from the inside. But the moment he passes, and on Good Friday of all days, he passes from this like 94 years and then into the next, and the moment his physical body falling apart and he comes alive in the Lord Jesus Christ because of his faith in what Jesus did for him and the reality of that hope, and where he is right now, he's having a good day. He's having a good day. That is so awesome. And he's just sitting there and say, I'm not afraid of death because I know whom I belong to. Bless his heart. The power of lying in a hospital bed, facing death, but not being afraid. In fact, his prayer becomes, pray that I go home. Pray that I go home. Pray that I go home. That's living hope. That's living hope of that which is imperishable, undefiled. And notice this, unfading, unfading, the text says, meaning your inheritance will never, ever lose its value. Think of how carefully we watch our investments in this world, gold, currency, real estate, Again, our different investments, they rise and fall. We rise and fall with it. You know what's so interesting, too, is that it's so discouraging, actually. We like getting new cars. Many of us have bought a new car in the last several years, whatever it is. And you get a new car, right? And you're like, oh, excited, you're excited. And you kind of trick yourself. Oh, my new car. It's so fun to have a new car. It smells nice. It's clean, whatever. But the moment you, the moment you drive it off the lot, it loses value. Oh. Right? You're just like, oh, it's a new car. Oh, my new car is going to last for a little bit. Whatever, new car. Two months in, all of a sudden, you'll come out and you're like, oh, man, it's just scratch. It doesn't look so new anymore. Man, the kids got all dirty in that. Then you look across the street and someone else has a newer car than you and you're like, oh. That's what happens, right? Because there's always something newer. We got, how about take iPhones or, 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 or smartphones? I got the latest. I got the latest. You're so excited about it. It's so amazing. And all of a sudden, you drop it. And you're like, not so new anymore. Right? There it goes, right? Or someone else gets the next latest one. And you, you know what I'm talking about. You feel in your spirit. You're just like, you're a little discouraged because you don't have the newest and latest. Because nothing in this world will last. Nothing will last. Proven every We try to keep believing in the things that are so temporal and superficial. It will never work. 
That's why living hope is so powerful. Because your investment portfolio, you only have to check it once. The value is perfection. And if you want to keep checking it, you can. But God will say, well, your investment's still what it always was. Perfect. It's perfect in value. And will never change. Not one minute. So keep checking if you want to be encouraged. It's always going to be the same value. Perfect because of what Jesus Christ did. So you came to Easter service this weekend. I'm about to show you a picture on the screen that you were not expecting to see. So you can put that up now. And I want you to take a look at this picture. And I'm not trying to pick on Joan Rivers at all. I'm seriously not. But I, I think there's a lot represented behind what is shown here in terms of what our world values and how our world works and where our identity is seen and sought. Okay? Based on the before and after in this picture, and you can argue whatever that she looks good at when she was at this age, whatever, but inherently, there's been so much effort to try to rectify a problem. There's something wrong, right? That's why there's so much effort in surgery and superficial attempts and makeup, whatever it is, to try to deny or delay what is inevitable here, which is death. Now, notice here, it's amazing. Within these, this contrast of pictures, obviously, there's a form of perishing that is taking place. Something's defiled. And something is definitely fading. And so you have this, honestly, sad and desperate attempts to reconstruct faces and everything about it to try to deny that which is inevitable, again, death. So maybe you feel better about yourself for a couple of years, but in the end, it's coming for you too. It's amazing how much of our, our society, especially here in North America, operates in this, the Western world especially. I wrote this down. I thought, this is a microcosm of our philosophy of our society, which is this. Apply superficial makeup to what requires supernatural transformation. We are trying to apply superficial makeup to that which requires supernatural transformation. What if there, what if there was an inheritance that moved beyond your face? There is. What if there was an inheritance that was imperishable, undefiled, and unfading? There is. It's called living hope in Jesus Christ. Salvation from sin and death. And notice in verse 4, this inheritance kept in heaven for you. It is waiting for those who have trusted in Christ. This inheritance, again, securely guarded over, again, for them at the given time. Living hope, man, is so powerful. Living hope, God-given, resurrection certified, inheritance is included. And then finally, number four, and this is the most important personal application for us right now. Number four is this. Living hope means I'm ready. I'm ready to face eternity. Living hope essentially means I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die. So the number one fear of among humans is death. Why? They're not ready. They're not ready for the afterlife. Deep down, they know there's more. But they live in denial or fear, and so they just don't want to address it. Question for you right now. This could be the most important question you're asked this whole weekend. Maybe this whole year, maybe your whole life. Question, are you ready? Not looking for a, a pride-filled answer and pretending. Just like honestly, between you and right now, the living God, are you ready to face eternity? 
Are you ready to face the Lord? So what happens is, is that we, again, we, we live in denial. So instead of facing what we know is coming, because everyone who's ever lived has had to die, instead of facing that reality, what we do is we just try to numb ourselves with, with the current, right? So we live for the next Leaf game. We live for the next Raptor game, which both happen to be today. We live for the next drunken binge. We live for the next drug high. We live for the next sexual escapade. We live, we just keep living for something that we think will give us momentary pleasure, but they always run out. They always run out. But we do it again. We do it again. We do it again. The most sad, tragic thing is you have so many people who are dying literally right now. That's been the story of their whole life. Cycle, 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 cycle. Keep placing hope in that. Numb the brain. Numb the heart. Numb the soul. Drug it. Whatever it takes. Desensitize myself. I don't want to think about that. And then just get to the end and there's no answers at the end. I'm telling you, man, you're here by God's grace right now to be able to, with courage and faith, to say, what do I believe? And am I ready? Every human heart knows deep down. The Bible says we suppress the truth, which means we know that there is a truth, but in our love for ourselves, we suppress it because our hearts are that wicked. But today, today, there could be a crack. There could be a crack through the heart, heart and the light starting to shine in and a softening to say, you know what? I know my life's not making sense. I know this isn't adding up. I know, I know deep down there's more. I know there's a hope to be had. And that hope is alive. And it's alive in the person of Jesus Christ. You want to see this in verse 5. Look at verse 5. We'll end here. Verse 5 says, Who by God's power, those who are born again, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready? Ready to be revealed in the last time. So picture a masterpiece with a cloth, a painting, a statue. There's a masterpiece with a cloth over it. And at the right time, the cloth is removed and everyone goes, and they see the masterpiece. God's masterpiece has a cloth over it right now. But at any moment now, the cloth, his son is the masterpiece. His, his, the, the cloth will be removed and his son will be revealed for the second time to return and gather all that are his, ready to be revealed in the last time. We are living in the last time. It's coming soon. Jesus Christ will return to gather his own and reject those who have rejected him. But that opportunity for grace and life is still here right now. Are you ready for salvation to be revealed? And one last thing I want you to see in verse 5 is one word which is so important and life-changing. Notice in verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. Faith. Faith is the key that unlocks eternal life. Faith. I have to make sure I'm abundantly clear about this. If you came in here today and you think that you get saved by what you do works, good person, I do a couple good deeds, show up to church, I do this, you have to know, man, if you believe work saves you, that's not in the Bible. That's not true. Maybe you came from some religious type of church. Maybe you have some background. Maybe you just fundamentally believe yourself. I'm not that bad. I'm better than this guy beside me. You have to understand there's not one sin that gets into heaven. Not one. You could work your face off. It'll never be good enough. Let me love you. I need to love you. If we don't tell the truth, we're not loving. This is love right now, okay? I'm loving you by telling you as clearly as I can say it. You will not get into heaven by works. You can't do enough good deeds. Either can I. It requires faith in a grace we cannot earn. His name is Jesus, okay? Again, if you're hearing anything right now, faith, 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 faith. Jesus Christ is the one who saves us. In the book of John, Jesus says, I am the true vine which gives life. I am the bread of life. 
I am the living water. I am the door to heaven. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus says in John's gospel in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And then he ends with this last question. This last question summarizing everything here today. He says this, do you believe this, that he is the resurrection and the life? That is when hope that is alive and living floods our soul in a way we've never known before. That's why this church exists. That's why we're here. It's why the church is still growing across this world, millions upon millions of people, because the Holy Spirit is causing people to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let's pray. And Father, I do pray, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, right now, that your great mercy, wave after wave, is washing over souls. That you will cause people to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that will never, ever lose value, will never fade, will never perish. Kept in heaven for us who are alive in Jesus Christ that is ready to be revealed at any moment now. Oh, I speak to you right now. Do not hesitate to call upon the name of the Lord for you will be saved. Do not hesitate to turn from your sin and embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Then may you know, may, may you know the living, the living hope that when you feel it, when you know it, when you experience it, wow, you will never be the same. Yes, Lord, do that. Help us to sing like that even now too, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.